Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Fellow redeemed, there are times throughout the year where our calendars show forth the scriptural truth that the church and the world are at odds with one another. Take Christmas, for example. What the church celebrates on December 25th is vastly different than what the world celebrates on that day. Well, and today is no different. Today, the world around us is celebrating Valentine's Day. And unfortunately, while well, they're not commemorating St. Valentine, who was beheaded on February 14th for his faithful confession of Christ, no, instead, they're celebrating love, especially the romantic kind of love. It's a day to show those you care about how much you love them, giving them chocolates, greeting cards, flowers, possibly fancy dinners and fine jewelry. And so today the world celebrates love. On the other hand, the church is, well, it isn't celebrating Valentine's Day. Though it probably would be a good thing for us to learn about and commemorate St. Valentine, especially as he's given a faithful confession. Instead, our attention is drawn to... Ash Wednesday, which just so happens to fall on February 14th this year. And so today the church begins a holy season, a prayerful, penitential reflection, a time of special devotion, self-denial, humble repentance, and most especially, our attention is directed to the holy suffering and death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so today the church begins the penitential season of Lent. And yet, as Christians, we're not opposed to speaking about love, are we? In fact, Scripture reveals that Christians are to love. What does this love look like? Who are we to love? Well, it's here where I would like for us to consider the Old Testament for tonight. Here the prophet Joel writes, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants, let the bridegroom leave his room, the bride her chamber. Now with these words we see that there's a great need for urgency, and yet what's the reason for this? Well, prior to our text, the prophet Joel speaks of a great plague of locusts that would be descending upon God's people. And as you can imagine, this isn't a good thing. Wipe out their crops, destroy all other vegetation, likely bringing about a severe famine throughout the land. And yet, the reason why everyone, from the elders and nursing infants, should assemble... The reason why couples should postpone their wedding, even postpone consummating their marriage, 
isn't so that the people can gather together to make a plan to stop the locusts, and neither is it so that they could try to save whatever crops they could. The urgency that Joel calls for is that of repentance. It's important to understand that the locust plague wasn't just some natural disaster, some random event. No. It was God's judgment against his people. While the prophet Joel doesn't name the specific sin that would bring about God's wrath and punishment, it's not really difficult to guess what that sin might have been. Prior to entering the promised land, the Israelites were commanded by God to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. God is the one who delivered them from Egypt. He's the one who led them through the wilderness for 40 years. He was the one who was bringing them into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And so the Israelites were commanded to love the Lord their God above everything else. They were to desire him with their entire being. And yet, time and time and time and time again, they turned away from God. They worshipped the false gods of the surrounding nations. And not only that, they didn't live in love toward their neighbor. The wealthy and the powerful took advantage of the poor and the weak. And so on account of their sin, God is pouring out His wrath and punishment upon His people. He's doing it specifically in order to lead them to repent. In order that they would recognize their sin, have sorrow over their sin, and to return to the Lord their God with all of their heart. This call to repentance... To return to the Lord your God with all your heart, it's at the heart of Lent. In fact, our lives are to be one of daily contrition and repentance, as Luther writes in his 95 Theses, the first Thesis. Like God's people of old, you too are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. He's the one who created you. He's the one who redeems you. He's the one who sanctifies you, makes you holy. And so you are to love the Lord your God above everything else. Apart from him, you have no good thing in this life or in the life to come. And not only are you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, but you are to love your neighbor. That is, anyone who comes across your path, anyone you interact with, you know their name, you see their face. You are to love, the, love your neighbor because the love that God has shown you is now directed outside of yourself for your neighbor, for his benefit. So you are to love God. You are to love your neighbor. Love St. Paul writes in his letter to the Romans, is the fulfilling of the law. 
And yet this command to love also shows us our failures, shows us our sins. While we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might, that love that is supposed to be directed outside of ourselves, well, is often directed inward. We find no shortage of things that are more important. In the ways that we use our time, our energy, God often takes second place. There are activities that needed to be completed, hobbies, responsibilities, interests, just seem more important than God. More important than loving Him. More important than loving talking to Him in prayer. Loving hearing Him speak to us through His Word. While we're to love our neighbor, that is love, that is directed a word is often directed inward. We sinfully put our wants, our needs, our desires above our neighbors. Instead of helping and supporting them, we hurt them by what we say and do. Instead of putting the best construction on things, well, we take pleasure in sharing information that hurts their reputation, that puts them in the worst possible light. So as the people of Judah had sinned against the triune God, so do we. There's no hiding from this truth. God's word exposes our sin. It always is accusing us. And by God's standard of perfection, each and every single one of us falls short. By his righteous rules, each and every single one of us stands condemned, deserving of hell itself. Failing to love God, loving our neighbor, now is the time to repent. Use prophet Joel's words. To return to the Lord your God with all your heart. By confessing that you're by nature sinful and unclean. That you're deserving of both present and eternal punishment. Now is the time to repent. To return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger. And abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. And yet in the midst of our Repenting over sin, we see that there is hope. God calls his people to repentance because he doesn't desire the death of the sinner. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love who relents over disaster. And this promise of forgiveness isn't based upon your work of repentance. God forgives sin because of the person and work of Jesus. Hello, redeemed. Do you want to know what love looks like? Don't listen to what the world says. Don't listen to what Satan tells you for their lies. Don't listen to what the sinful flesh desires. Look to Jesus. Look to his suffering and death on the cross. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ 
died for us. In this is love, St. John writes. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. As true God in human flesh and blood, Jesus bore your guilt. He bore your shame. He bore your offenses. For every time that you've broken God's law by failing to love God, failing to love your neighbor, Jesus bore all of it for you. And there on the cross, Jesus suffered the Father's wrath for your sin. There on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for you, so that in him you might have the righteousness of God. And having risen from the dead and ascended into heaven, Jesus is interceding before the Father on your behalf this very day. And so during this penitential season of Lent, even beyond this season, don't seek to make excuses for your sins. Don't seek to minimize or ignore your sins. Instead, confess them. Confess them to God so that he may speak his word of forgiveness in life. You have no need to wonder whether God will relent and turn. For Christ's sake, God's promise of forgiveness and life are sure and certain. And as he's forgiven you, you can go forth rejoicing in His love. And not only that, you can go forth from here living in love toward God and in love for your neighbor. God be praised. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.